So we listed our house on the market and did not get a lot of traction. Ultimately, we did end up selling the house two years after we bought it for a loss of $25,000. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever, stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Barbara Friedberg. Barbara, are you ready to rock? I am ready to rock, Andrew. Fantastic. Well, for the audience, Barbara has an MBA and a master's in science and is a veteran portfolio manager, fintech consultant, expert investor, and former university finance instructor. She is editor, author of Personal Finance and Encyclopedia of Modern Money Management, Invest and Beat the Pros, and How to Get Rich. She is CEO of RoboAdvisorPros.com, a robo-advisor review and information website. Additionally, she is publisher of the well-regarded investment website, Barbara Friedberg, PersonalFinance.com. Her work is found on U.S. News and World Report, Investor Business Daily, Investopedia, Go Banking Rates, Investor Place, MSNBC or MSN Money, Entrepreneur, and many, many other places. Barb, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. Boy, it sounds a lot more exciting than it really is. Uh, well, my real life is filled with a lot of stuff, including work. I have a grown daughter, I have two cats, and I love home decorating. That is my number one passion. And what is your style? I'm totally modern, and of course I'm always coping with my husband's collections of modern pop culture items. So I'm modern and minimalist, and I have the wonderful challenge of Meshing that with collections of many, many, many pop culture figures. Interesting. I could only imagine. We may have to get some <laughs> pictures of that to share. I think you do. Yeah. I think you do. Well, that is cool and a good tidbit to know. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into your worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Well, like many of your former guests, Andrew, since I've been around the block a couple of times, I have more than one worst investment ever. But I'm going to veer a little away from my professional investing mistakes. You know, I bought the wrong stock. It tanked. I thought it was going to go up. It went down. I got plenty of those. But I'm going to veer into more of a personal real estate decision. Exciting. So, yeah, yeah. So this is a little bit different than some of your other guests, but I think most people can relate to losing money on, or many people can relate to losing money on real estate. I have lived in many different locations across the United States. I've moved around a lot with my husband and my family. And we started out when we were in our 20s and 30s living in California loved California. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. We managed to scrape together enough money to buy a lovely home, very small, 
very expensive when you consider the cost of real estate across the United States. Well, after our daughter was born, we said, you know, California's expensive, really, really expensive. And our lifestyle would be crazy trying to work and raise a family, we're gonna leave. So we decided to move to the Midwest. We moved to Indianapolis, which is a wonderful city. We sold our home in California, and lo and behold, the small paired home that we could afford in California enabled us to qualify to buy a huge four-bedroom mansion in Indiana. And so struck by the relatively low real estate prices in California in comparison with those in stratospheric San Diego, we went all in. We bought a beautiful four-bedroom home in a brand new community, a huge lot, which let me tell you, mowing the lawn is overrated. And we were happy as a clam. We picked all of the interiors and it was still less expensive than the amount we sold our prior home for. So all was terrific. Like I mentioned in the intro, I love decorating, very modern style. So I decorated it up to my taste. In every room. In every room, right? So the home was beautiful. Well, flash forward two years later. My husband really doesn't like his job. He needs to get out. It is not what he thought it would be. And we had anticipated staying there for quite a while. Well, after two years, we knew it wasn't the right place for us. And he got another job close by in Ohio, and we decided to sell. Well, we ran into a couple of problems. One, the decorating style in his Indiana is leans more towards traditional than modern. So my house was not really the plum that I thought it was, given the area of the country that we were in. And the other thing was, since we didn't have a basement in California, we didn't think it was a big deal buying a house in Indiana with no basement. Come to find out, in Indiana, they expect that you have a basement. Well, our house did not have a basement. So we listed our house on the market and did not get a lot of traction. Ultimately, we did end up selling the house two years after we bought it for a loss of $25,000. Now, back in the 90s, that was a lot of money. And it was- Today, it's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even today, it's a lot of money. And that was extremely, extremely painful. Oh, and you know, what's great about this story is that everybody's facing the purchase of a house and all the different emotional things that go with that. So- Tell us, what lessons did you learn from this? We learned a lot of lessons. Number one, if you're living in the Midwest and you're buying a house, make sure you buy one with a basement. <laughs> okay, if all the houses in your neighborhood have a basement, you buy one too. Then if you're going to sell in a certain region, you want to make sure the house fits in with the norms of the region. 
But the biggest lesson is that if you are buying a house or really any real estate, the transaction costs are tremendous. Closing costs are very, very high. Moving costs are extremely high. Do not buy real estate if you cannot guarantee or be pretty certain that you're gonna stay in that property or hang on to that property for five to seven years. Because unlike the stock market, which is quite volatile, stocks go up and down, the real estate market is much more stable and it moves very, very slowly, except in the Bay Area where I live right now, but that's an aside. And so unless you are planning on staying in a house for five to seven years, don't buy rent because to buy a house one year and expect to sell it for a profit in two years after the transaction costs of thousands of dollars of realtor fees and closing costs, it's very, very difficult to break even, let alone to come out ahead. That's a lot of great lessons on that. And let me summarize what I take away from it. The first thing is I just want to highlight something my mom always said to me, and I just saw her in the other room. She's listening to podcasts right now. She's 81 and she lives with me here in Bangkok. But she always said, just because it's cheap doesn't mean you have to buy it. That's really, really good advice. And boy, I've, I've had that experience with another several stocks too, but you can figure that out for yourself. Yeah, and I think that in this case, Really, you guys were kings and queens going to that new area where it's definitely cheaper and all that. And it would have been a great time to consolidate your wealth and really take advantage of the fact that you have a lot that you had invested in the, the original house. The second issue is the idea of investing outside of your area. You know, you talked about not knowing about the basement and also about the decor and all of that. And so when you invest in any type of asset outside of your area of expertise, be careful, take time, think about it, do your research and make sure that you're thinking it through. And then the other thing that you said, which I think is really interesting, and it's not that common advice, which is if you're going to stay someplace for less than five years or five to seven years, rent. And it's so ingrained in people, particularly in America, that the American dream is to buy. But I came to Thailand when I was 26, and of course I had no money at the age of 26, but I quickly was able to build some wealth over time. But because I didn't have access to the banking system as a foreigner in Thailand in 1995, it wasn't really likely that I could borrow money to buy a house. So really, renting was my only option in those early years. and. I've rented pretty much all my life. I have bought one condo and I decided that I just didn't want to live in it myself. And then I realized I don't want to be a landlord. So I sold it and basically got back a little bit more than what I paid for it overall. And so from that, I've just come to realize that there's nothing wrong with renting. That is really true. And actually, the mantra that you must be a homeowner really is less valid today than it was in the past. And you really have to think about your own lifestyle, where you live, and what you want to spend your money on. How easy do you want to 
Make it for yourself to be able to pick up and move somewhere else. Buying is not for everyone, and buying is a lot of work. Whether you buy a rental property or you own your own home, it is a ton of work. Yep, yep. And as you mentioned, the house, the the keep up of the lawn and all of that. And for me, I just love the convenience of calling my landlord and going, the sink's not working. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And actually, a lot of people today have really come to that realization that buying's not for them. And buying, although it's got a certain psychological benefit of owning your own home, financially may or may not be a good way to build wealth. Yeah, well, I would say- And it really depends on on where you live, really. Exactly. And the best way to analyze that is to look at the average long-term return in houses across, let's say, America. The reason why I wouldn't look at any particular pockets is because, you know, chances are it could just be by luck that people made money in their houses by being in those particular pockets. But if we look at the average long-term return in the houses- And when you factor in all the investment that you have to make in the house and all that, I would argue it's probably one of the very, very slowly growing assets that you'll have. Goodness doesn't collapse, you know, unless it's a bubble situation, but it's a very slow growing asset. Yeah. And in fact, if my memory serves, the actual growth is somewhere in the four to 5% range. Yeah. When my father passed away, I found a little piece of paper where he he kept the price that he bought and the price that he sold each of the houses that they owned that my mom and dad owned. So I was able to go through and look at the calculations. And my calculation was basically, and this didn't account for all the investment that we went in the house, is that his overall return for these houses over the years was about 2% or so per year. Wow. Yeah. And and that doesn't account for the costs that go into the owning that, that you don't have with renting. So really, I think be very careful. Of course, now, one of the things that, that I've definitely learned from my mom and myself living together now at her age of 81 is that as you get older, of course, you want to be in the same place. You want to have a place where you're comfortable, you're familiar. You know, the last thing you want to do is be changing places. So I can see the attraction of a home as a place that you can feel comfortable in your later years. But my sister who lives and works in Maine does reverse mortgages in Maine. And what she's trying to do is deal with the other problem is that, you know, people stay in their houses all their life and they've got asset, they're asset rich and cash poor. And then they have to figure out a way to deal with that through a reverse mortgage as an example, or maybe even having to sell their home. And so, you know, there's pros and cons, but at least from this episode, I think, people can learn a little bit more about what to do when you're buying. And the other thing that they can learn is that you don't have to own a house. Yeah. And you want to, in every type of investment, there are risks. And in the past, I have owned probably seven primary residences. And when I was younger, I owned quite a bit of rental real estate. But like you, after I had a family, I did not want to deal with the headaches. It was just a pain in the neck. And so over the years, I have become, and as my work has drawn me to this area, I become an investor in the stock and bond markets and very conservative at that and gone from stock picking to buying 
passively managed index funds and found that that's the historical returns of diversified stock market and bond market investments have been very, very, very steady over the long term. I expect they'll continue if you consider that the world economies are going to grow. And there's virtually no maintenance. You buy an ETF or you turn your money over to a low-fee robo-advisor and let them do the investing for you. And not within a couple of years, but within decades, it has been a very, very solid way to get somewhere in the neighborhood of 7% or give or take annualized returns, which is pretty solid. Got it. So then let's now wrap it up by thinking about based on this story and what you've continued to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? And I want you to put yourself in the shoes of that young man or woman or young couple that has a big, expensive, they've done well, they've got a good house, they're moving to another area, they're looking at it, they're thinking about, wow, look what we could buy and look at all this. What one piece of advice would you give them? I feel like sometimes, especially in the United States, people rush to buy these lavish homes and they say, oh, I've got four kids. I need a house with six bedrooms and 3,500 square feet. And what they don't realize is your kids are only going to be around for 15 years, give or take. By the time they're 15, they're out with their friends all the time. They're never home. And then they're gone. And then you're stuck with a massive home with a tremendous amount of upkeep. And I really believe, and this is might be little bit of a value judgment and an investing tip, but I really believe you want to assess what you need and don't go into buying just because you want to be impressed, you want a grand home and consider what's really important to you in life and buy the house that fits your needs only buy if you're looking to live in that house for five to seven years and consider the future as well as your current situation. Beautiful. So let's say separate needs from wants and clearly oh, focus in good. on your needs. I love that. Yep. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? The next 12 months, I have been working very hard on RoboAdvisor Pros to continue to make that website the premier site to learn about RoboAdvisors, which are automated digital low-fee investment advisors, because I believe that they can be a helpful tool for individuals to manage their money with very, very low costs. So my goal is just to continue to build that asset up to help people learn to build wealth smartly and affordably. Beautiful. That's a noble goal. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we end, Barbara, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. And you have taken your worst investment and turned it into your best teaching moment for the world. And it, not everybody's willing to do that. So I 
I reward you, I challenge you, I excite you, I get you ready to share this and help a lot of people to not make the same mistake. Do you have any parting words for the audience? No, just say hi to your mom for me. I love hearing about her on your Twitter feed and she just looks adorable and I hope she's back playing ping pong very, very soon. Well, thank you very much. And you know what? Mom is my number one listener. So she's going to hear that and she's going to appreciate that. Super. <laughs> well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our well fellow risk takers. I'll see you on the upside.